Hello, hello. Hello. I'm Kate. I'm not Kate. <laughs> <laughs> Let's keep it. You're uh, Allison. I'm, I'm Allison, and Kate is my friend and co-host. <laughs> I'm Kate. You're Allison. And we I are think- the... Who are we? Who are we this morning? See, this is why we can't record in the morning because yep. we don't oh have our God. shit together. <laughs> the sad thing, the sad thing too, is we recorded a beautiful, perfect, amazing oh. episode yesterday afternoon, and somehow only the final ten minutes of it actually got saved. So we are redoing this, but we're yeah, clearly very, we're fresh and ready, obviously. And we have coffee. We do, we do. So we hope to improve for you <laughs> pretty quickly. Clearly hasn't kicked in yet because I don't even know who I am. <laughs> we are the Itty Bitty Wedding Committee. That is who we, we are. We <laughs> are. And we're excited to re-record this episode for you guys. Yes. All right. It's going to be back and better than ever. We're going it to will. talk about so much COVID. Yeah. And yesterday was just a test run. This is the real episode. <laughs> yesterday was crap. We hate yesterday. Yeah. It doesn't even exist anymore. <laughs> so we were thinking for this episode, we're going to do the first part talking more about what are some current things you want to consider while we're in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic. And then for the next half, we'll move on and talk more about the future. So how will weddings look different? How will planning look different? How will the industry look different? Really, what does this mean for you? And the goal is that we are not going to be too doom and gloom. I know that yeah. I I sometimes have a tendency to just over-explain and get into everything. So, Allison, stop me if I am being doom and gloom. <laughs> I'm not trying to be. I'm just a planner, and I like to talk about every single scenario. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it's a, it's a doom and gloom situation in general. So we're just trying to do our best to make – to – be positive in an otherwise not so great time right now. So right. And we will get through this. We will come out on the other side. We're not expecting this to go on forever. We'll see mm-hmm. some major changes in the future because of this, both good and bad. And it's not forever. So just keep that in mind. It feels heavy, heavy, heavy right now, but we'll get through. Uh, speaking of, we will probably be hitting you with a ton of those keywords that you've been hearing a lot, all the yes. buzzwords, pivot, we're oh, all in this together. Uh, what else have we been hearing? Unprecedented. Unprecedented. These trying times, these oh, difficult God. times, blah, blah, blah. So yeah, we know we're going to do that. It's just going to happen. Um, deal. Yeah. <laughs> deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> it'll be, it. by the end, it'll be more positive and sparkly. Totally. So first things first, one of the things we wanted to talk about is just how to book your wedding during COVID, whether that's your new date or a totally, your new second date rather, or Mm -hmm. your totally fresh date because you're recently engaged and you want to get moving on planning. Uh, First things first when it comes to that is just the year and the time of year you want to consider. And Allison, you had some great insight on this yesterday. Yeah. So uh, as far as picking new dates or your initial date, um, you know, I err on the side of caution. So if someone were to ask me, you know, hey, what would you do in this situation? I, especially if I'm like newly engaged, I would probably wait until um, 2022 just to be safe only because, you know, there's going to be a lot of booking and rebooking from 2020 into 2021. And I think just to avoid, you know, having to, I don't want to say compete, but for lack of a better word, in in order to avoid having to compete with, you know, 
you know, these other couples for like dates and venues and things like that, I would just push it back to 2022 if mm-hmm. you can. Um, and then as far as couples that are um, rebooking or, you know, postponing and trying to look for a new date, I feel like you have to gauge what your priorities are um, for your overall wedding. Like if you have to have, you know, your huge family and, you know, all of your huge family or all your nearest and dearest, and that's something that's important to you, then you might want to consider pushing it further out so that you have a better chance of being able to have all of those special people, as opposed to if you don't really care about having, you know, a ton of people and you're comfortable with downsizing to, you know, 20 or 30, then you can kind of probably get away with looking for a date, you know, early 2021. And Allison, that's all so good. And I want to just build on some of what you said. Mm-hmm. First of all, with just time of year. And secondly, with some of the things to consider when you're thinking, do I do 2021 or 2022? So we're not even necessarily talking about the size of the event. But one of the things we're talking about is just what kind of experience do you want with planning? Mm-hmm. And if you're comfortable, maybe not having a Saturday or knowing that you might not have every single vendor on your original booked team with you, or you might, if you're starting to book new vendors, not have your pick of the litter when it comes to every single kind of vendor, whether it's photo or beauty or hotels or venues, catering, you name it, um, then you could be okay to go. I wouldn't do in the first half of the year at this point. I wouldn't recommend that because it's too uncertain, but maybe Mm -hmm. later in 2021, that could be an option for you. And If you're thinking, you know, I just really want to be past this, I do want to have a lot of those really shiny, amazing vendor options open to me, then look at 2022. Yeah. And one of the things, too, that I think people should consider is what their lives are going to look like. If you are feeling any kind of urgency, whether it's because you might move or you have older family members that you really need there and you don't know, will they still be here in a few years. That's something I've had conversations with my couples about, you know, where we're dealing with an illness in the family and we really need that person to be there. Or maybe you just want to get pregnant. And if you're um, the person who's getting pregnant, you don't really want to be nursing or have a huge baby bump or dealing with a toddler at the time of your wedding. All of that can factor in. So Mm -hmm. sometimes people do decide in whatever configuration they're choosing, we just want to do this sooner for any number of reasons. And you can also choose to do a smaller wedding now and a larger wedding later. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's not the most cost-effective, but other times it is because you've downsized and that's great. So I really think that you can consider a lot of kind of non-traditional scenarios if you do feel the need to get married sooner. And that can be really helpful and alleviate some of your stress. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And another good point that you mentioned just about like vendor availability. Um, I know sometimes there are a lot of situations where, you know, couples are like really hard set on a venue or really hard set on a photographer. And it's like, that's totally okay. Like if you're like, I can't imagine my wedding in any other venue, but this one, and you want to get married in that venue. And the only time they can do it is in 2022 that's totally fine. Like I totally understand that, especially when you're kind of, you have a vision that you want to stick to. Um, It's just about being flexible. Like how flexible do you want to be in order to make that vision come to life? And sometimes it just makes more sense to push things back. Totally. And I think too, you'll want to consider the time of the year. So if Mm -hmm. you already had a date, you probably considered all of those kind of 
main potential conflicts with your date, whether it's, oh, it'll be really hot in July where we are, or uh, we don't want to do this too close to the holidays or any mm -hmm. of that. But if you're choosing a date for the first time or choosing a new date, you might feel a lot of pressure to act quickly because there's only one Saturday left in your space for mm -hmm. uh, fall of 2021 just keep in mind that some of the availability right now is a pretty big challenge. So definitely consider, uh, one, the religious concerns of your guests. If you have a lot of Jewish guests, for example, don't choose a wedding date over the high holidays, which are Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Just don't do it because you'll lose those guests. Mm -hmm. Similarly, uh, you don't want to have uh, a wedding on certain other holidays for other religions. And of course, you don't want to do anything too close to Thanksgiving if you're in the U.S. So Thanksgiving is one that I see being open. The Saturday after Thanksgiving, amazing, you get a Saturday. Just no. don't do it. Don't do it for the love of, for the love of everything. Uh, don't do this to yourself. Don't do this to your guests. Don't do this to your vendors. You will be so maxed out on family time, you won't be able, because of the holiday, nor will anyone else, be able to really focus on those kind of critical days in advance of the wedding. Mm -hmm. And you're also going to have some major challenges with getting a vendor A team to even work your date. Yeah. Your, your catering staff, for example, is not going to be uh, at their peak performance level. And some of their main team might not even be willing or able to work it because they're out of town or they just said, hey, I'm, I'm not doing this. You also yeah. could be paying a premium to get people in. So truly, do not do the day after Thanksgiving. Yeah, and don't you'll just it. be burnt out. Yeah, exactly. And unless you have um, almost all of your guests who do not celebrate Christmas, I don't recommend doing it very close to Christmas. And just yeah. in general, what I tell my couples, even if they don't celebrate Christmas, is don't expect to get a lot done in December in the U.S. So, Oh, yeah. It's just not going to happen. Once we get into the week of Thanksgiving through New Year's, really, everything is going to be slower. Responses are going to be harder. You're going to get a lot of away messages. And that doesn't mean that you can't plan a wedding. I do New Year's Eve weddings all the time, for example. Mm -hmm. But you do need to factor in that if you're going to feel stressed by getting away messages or yeah. by having longer delays in communication, that is not the time of year for you. Yeah. And New Year's Eve is a little bit different anyway, because it's not one of those holidays where you like, where people are like doing things. Like, it's just kind of like a holiday where it's like, you can, people go out and celebrate or you just stay home. So like those, that's like one of those exceptions where you could mm -hmm. swing a wedding, but you know, like you said, you know, any of those other holidays that requires a lot of family time, a lot of, you know, travel arrangements, because a lot of people travel over those times. Mm -hmm. um, it's just, going to be stressful for you. So just yeah. don't do it. And even really that critical final month before the wedding, when you're mm -hmm. trying to do the walkthrough and set the timeline and communicate your final guest list and yeah. new choices, that's all going to take longer. So just know that it's not yeah. a deal breaker, but know that. Um, also, if we're looking at what we're expecting to happen with days of the week, I think this is a big one to talk about. Yeah. So Allison, what are your thoughts on different days of the week? Um, it depends. First of all, it really depends on where you're located. Um, in the city of Chicago, I would be very careful to avoid certain days of the week um, compared to others. Um, I mean, we, I feel like we see Friday weddings fairly often. Um, it has their pros and cons because you have to factor in, you know, additional travel time, 
Friday evening traffic in Chicago is usually a hot mess. So you, <laughs> Do you know, see this emphatic nod. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so it's like, you know, those are the kinds of things that you have to consider. Um, Sunday weddings, you know, we see those I don't know, not too, too often, but they do happen uh, for whatever reason. Um, I don't know. They're not too terrible, but again, you kind of have to factor in, you know, like people traveling or the fact that folks might have to go to work the next day. Um, I'll let you talk about Thursday weddings because that's just interesting. Um, Yeah. And then I'll let you talk about Monday weddings too. But yeah, like you just have to be, not to say that you can't pull it off. Um, I definitely feel like, you know, you can be flexible and opt for a weekday, but just take into consideration, you know, some of those other factors that you might not necessarily have to worry about um, when you're planning a Saturday wedding. Right. And I do think that you can also consider a couple of things, even with Fridays and Saturdays. So obviously, When we have a Monday through Friday work week, Saturday is always going to be the most convenient day. Everybody knows that. But there are some perks to Fridays and Sundays. So one, they're a little more affordable. Two, uh, you'll have more venue availability, but you also could have more availability with your other vendors who might be booked on Saturday, but be able to do a double header. Mm -hmm. You also will want to consider not only how this will impact your guests, especially if they're traveling from out of town. If you have a lot of locals, Sunday isn't an issue at all because great, they'll just, if anything, take a half day on Monday and that's not a big deal. Mm -hmm. But um, your VIPs might be more affected by a Friday wedding because they not only need to be there for Friday, but they'll also want to be there for all the festivities the day before and maybe Mm -hmm. even a day in advance of that to settle in. Oh yeah, for sure. So you'll also, you'll want to take all of that into account, but you're also going to want to consider, hey, how bad would it be to do a Thursday wedding? I have done the occasional Thursday wedding. Sometimes it's a religious reason. So again, Jewish weddings, um, if they're more conservative, more religious, are going to do um, a Thursday just to avoid Shabbat or to avoid having to prepare for anything on Shabbat. Mm -hmm. And I've seen it happen just for non-religious couples as well, just because, hey, they had great availability and great rates, and it was fun. It was lovely. So it is more inconvenient for the guests, of course, but it's not out of the question. And Monday weddings I've seen for people in the restaurant industry in particular. Mm So if I have a chef wedding, I can practically guarantee it's going to be on a Monday because so many of their crew are available on a Monday because that's just the weekend for someone in the restaurant industry when Mm -hmm. they're working on Fridays and Saturdays and Sundays. So, you know, it's not out of the question. It can be done. And I do think guests are a little more understanding Mm -hmm. given these circumstances in these unprecedented times. (laughs) So you, you can consider different options. I just wouldn't be too dead set on a Saturday. If you are looking to do anything later in 2021, be open, be, be creative, be flexible. Mm Mm-hmm. Do it during the day. Well, depending on where you're at. <laughs> I don't mind daytime weddings. I think they're fun and different and cute. Mm-hmm. Um, just kind of, it kind of falls under the same rules as getting married, you know, on a weekday that isn't, or a day of the week that isn't like a Friday or a Sunday. Um, just like if you're going to plan to do something during the day, just take into consideration travel, traffic, you know, time off, things like that. But it's doable. Well, yeah, and we're going to do a whole episode on brunch weddings, which I'm super excited about. I'm I know so you are. excited. <laughs> we have so many good episode ideas. And the thing with brunch weddings, I always like to point out before anybody decides we're definitely doing this, um, they're cheaper, which is great. People mm-hmm. drink less, also great. But 
you are going to get up if you're doing hair and makeup really really early i mean crack of dawn seriously like crack of dawn but honestly though like i wouldn't mind getting up crack of dawn early if i was guaranteed a super delicious brunch and like later Mm. on in the day so Mm. my motivation Mm -mm. would definitely be the food Mm -mm. Mm -mm. (laughs) nope nope i would rather just peace out on my wedding day of than get up super early but you're you're a morning person i mean i'm really not but Food is my is a good motivation for me in a lot of different scenarios. So if I'm guaranteed like to have a good meal to look forward to, I will get my ass up. <laughs> yes. So the day after my wedding, we we did a teeny tiny little brunch with a couple of people, mm-hmm. and I was so stoked. I ordered. I couldn't decide between two things, and at first I was bugging my mom to split things with me. Yeah. I was just like, Mm-mm, I'm getting both of these for myself. And Where'd I you guys go? We went to the Bristol on Damon. Nice. And yeah, because we could just walk over there and. It was really good, and I ate two full entrees, and I don't even think I ate much. for. I, I think that might have been it for the day because I was just so not used to eating that much. Worth and it, was, it. Oh, God, it was so worth it. I got, um, what did I get? Like, biscuits and gravy, Yum. and then I also got, I think, French toast. You have to do that. You have to get the sweet, and you have to get the savory. Yeah, I, I carbo-loaded. And then we'll just say I went for a really long run, and that was the reason for carbo-loading. I basically just sat on my ass all day. It was yeah. beautiful. Yeah, the day after your wedding. You're more than entitled <laughs> to sit on your ass. Yeah, you, you should sit on your ass. Just chill, put mm-hmm. your feet up, eat a ton of food. That's what Take you do. Take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I think we got into a lot of the you know time of year and the day of the week concerns, but one other thing I'd like to touch on is – what should you book early on and what should you wait on? Especially with this climate right now, you want mm-hmm. to make sure that when you're putting these deposits down and signing these contracts, they're not going to go out the window if somebody yeah. goes out of business. Mm-hmm. Um, venue is the very first thing. Oh, yeah, for sure. you, can't, you can't and shouldn't book anything else until you've booked your venue. The only exception to that is if you know you need to get married in your particular house of worship and then choose a date that they've got, and then you can select the venue accordingly. Mm -hmm. Uh, The only thing I want people to consider is what to do if, you know, we we put down money somewhere and it doesn't pan out. So I don't want to freak people out about this. I, I want people to just go into this situation with clear eyes. And one of the biggest things to do is just know what red flags to look out for. If you're booking a space that's a little bit newer, a little less established, or that you know has crazy high overhead, Mm -hmm. um, just approach that with a little bit more caution. Even if it's a hotel, for example, that's run by a large hotel group and it's a little newer, those are getting hit pretty hard by COVID right now. Mm -hmm. So I would really encourage people to think about what places are more like an institution or which ones have been around a long time and just have a really reliable team. So what you don't want is to book a space and then have it go out of business and not receive your deposit back. Yeah, A lot of places will give you your deposit back. A lot of vendors, venues in general. I know a catering company that went out of business and they're doing everything they can to give those deposits back at a pretty big personal hardship for the owner. Mm -hmm. And that's, of course, the right thing to do. You hope that would happen. And even if you get it in the contract that you'll get the deposit back, that doesn't mean much once that business is dissolved. So again, you want that level of trust and you want to avoid the red flags like 
being asked to pay everything up front. Yeah. If they're asking you to pay everything up front, like we talked about in the last episode, just like the vendors can't be expected to assume all the risk, you shouldn't be either. If they want mm-hmm. all your money up front and you have not really done anything with them except book a date and your date isn't until 2021 or 2022. Yeah, that makes zero sense. It makes zero sense. That shouldn't be happening. That is a huge vote of no confidence mm-hmm. in that venue that they need all of that revenue right now. Yeah. Uh, I, I wouldn't trust anyone who's doing that. Of course, yeah. if it's if you've postponed, that's different. If you've postponed and the venue or any vendor says, hey, okay, we're going to take that remaining balance on the original date, that's fine. That's just them covering their overhead for this year when income is really lean. That's not the issue. The issue more is these places where you're booking for the first time and they're saying, give us everything up front. Yeah. Because that shouldn't really be happening. Yeah. And just use your common sense too, because obviously it's, it's uncertain times. We're in the middle of a pandemic. So, you know, another red flag to look for is if your venue or any of the other vendors that you're working with is trying to guarantee you something that they can't, they have no control over. Um, And this was something that I saw, I mean, not a ton, but, you know, I did see this when, you know, the pandemic originally hit where, you know, people were like, oh, well, you know, my venue said that, you know, we're still going to have a wedding and everything is fine. And it's like, well, you know, they can't guarantee you that, you know, like there's so many areas of this pandemic that are out of our control and, you know, are based on, you know, federal and like city level, like ordinances and things like that. So I mean, federal is, federal is a joke right now. I know, but But it's like, you know, there are, we're kind of at the mercy of a lot of, a a lot of these different factors. So it's like, if they're CDC, yeah. So it's like if they're promising you something or if they're guaranteeing you that, you know, everything's going to go off without a hitch, like that might be what you want to hear, but that isn't necessarily going to be the case. And I think, you know, you want to work with vendors and venues where it's like they're being transparent with you every single step of the way and they're being realistic about the pandemic and putting um and having conversations with you about you know what is it going to look like if you have to downsize and what it's what is it going to look like if you have to postpone like they're going to want to have those conversations with you to be transparent and so that you and your partner are you know comfortable moving forward with them absolutely Um, so that's a big one Allison, that's that's great. And that's a really good point. You also just, I'll, I'll tack on to that. You don't want a venue that is going to tell you, and I know we're focusing on venues now, but a lot mm-hmm. of this goes for any vendor. You would just be booking your venue first, I hope. <laughs> um, with any venue that is telling you, like you said, this is going to happen no matter what. It'll be great. Don't worry about the guidelines. You can do this. You can do that. We can mm-hmm. flout the rules or we can get creative with working our way around the rules. I'm sorry, but run screaming because yes, please that do. venue can get shut down. That venue mm-hmm. can get fined. Whatever they're telling you, you can't trust it because either they can get in trouble and get shut down. They can have an issue during your wedding itself. You mm-hmm. can be the first one to get hit with this if somebody from the health department shows up and you can get shut down during your wedding or they can already get in trouble in advance of your wedding or realize for some reason that everything they've been promising is total BS Mm -hmm. and they can really change all of those rules on you. So do not trust anything anybody says about getting around the guidelines. You want a vendor who is on their shit with this. You want a vendor who has 
a bajillion page contract laying mm-hmm. out every scenario. And you want to know that they take it seriously because you know what? That means that they take your business and your event seriously yeah. if they're taking this pandemic seriously, which is yeah. what they need to be doing. So really look for the people who are going to give you some tough love even. Yeah, that's with, a big one. <laughs> yeah, if they're, if they're telling you when you're in a place like Chicago that doesn't allow a dance floor, if they're telling you, and I don't mean first dance with this or something like that. I mean an open dance floor with lots of people rocking out for three hours, drinking alcohol, getting in each other's faces. Mm-hmm. So if they're telling you you can do that and you're in a place that doesn't allow it, first of all, it's not advisable either way right now. Don't do it. Even mm-hmm. if you're in a place that allows it, I'm looking at you, Indiana. Oh my but, I, I, oh, I have so many thoughts on our neighboring states and what they're allowing. It's so terrifying, but it's, it's just not a good idea to be trying to do some of this stuff. And I don't trust venues that are telling people that it's a good idea and they can do this because that's a big red flag in itself. Yeah. Yeah. And another thing too, um, whether you have to like switch venues or if you're just booking a, a, venue for the first time, um, you really want to, it's okay to ask, what are you doing? What measures are you putting in place because of the pandemic? Like, how are you, you know, mitigating risk on your end and for our guests, like ask those questions. And if they need time to get back to you before you sign a contract, that's okay. But like, if you don't feel comfortable signing a contract without having the answer to those questions, don't sign anything. Mm-hmm. Because then you're going to get into, you know, being liable for those contract terms, you know, then you're going to get into the issue of, you know, forfeiting a deposit, possibly if you sign a contract, put down a deposit, and then all of a sudden you find out that your venue isn't doing everything that they can to have minimal risk for your wedding. And then all of a sudden you're, you're stuck or you might have to get into a situation where legally you might have to, you know, combat your contract to get your deposit. So, you know, have just have a little bit of common sense, ask questions. There's no such thing as too many questions. I always say this, you know, I always tell the couples that I work with, ask me a thousand questions, like whatever you are unsure about, please, please tell me so that we can address it and work through it and make sure that, you know, the couples are comfortable instead of just, you know, making assumptions. And then all of a sudden you have a situation on your hands. Yeah. You were talking about the liability and I feel like what you're saying about this, responsibility to the clients Mm -hmm. and what some of these issues could be with the vendors who are promising you the moon during all of this. uh, That's a really good point because we don't want people who are going to pay you all this lip service and tell you you can get everything you want. And then the floor falls out from under you a couple of days before your wedding. You don't Mm -hmm. want that. And I think a really good point too is you don't want a venue that's going to say, you don't have to follow any rules. And then you start getting heat from your other vendors who are saying, this is not safe. We are not going to work this. We're going to drop out. And what we talked about yesterday that I thought was really important to touch on is you asked, where does the responsibility lie in enforcing some of these guidelines, even mm-hmm. beyond maybe what the guidelines recommend? And I see that being really three different parties. The first is the couple who are hosting the event or parents, if they're the official hosts, whatever it may be. The second is the venue. Mm -hmm. And the third is the planner. The third is me or someone like me who is really going to help with all of this. And what I'm seeing is the responsibility of the couple's means. And of course, a planner can help clarify this for them, but they set the tone. These are the three different groups that set the tone. And 
you need to really be sure you're communicating so much about what you're doing for everyone's safety, what you're doing so that they can feel safe traveling to your event and their mm-hmm. anxiety is alleviated. And you need to be calling the shots in a responsible way. You need to be saying, all right, we're going to err on the side of caution with all of this. We are not going to have a dance floor. We are going to limit the number of people. We're going to encourage people to stay only near their pods. We're going to say when you're not seated to eat or drink, which should be spaced out, you should be wearing a mask. And we can encourage that in fun ways. We can have signage. We can have customized masks. We can do all of this really cool stuff. And it's just really important that the clients set the tone because otherwise the guests won't really know what's expected of them and Mm -hmm. they won't know what kind of the norms are. And they also might feel nervous traveling in. They're not going to want to tell you that. They're not going to want to stress you out. Mm -hmm. Especially if you have older folks, if you have immunocompromised folks, if you have people who are going back to those types of people, they might be very concerned and just trying to be polite, but then they'll leave early or they'll not come at all. Mm -hmm. So the more you're clear about this as the host, put it on your wedding website, have signage day of, really communicate with people about what's going to be happening to keep them safe. That'll make a big difference to them and they'll really appreciate it. Mm -hmm. And I think as well, the venue has a major responsibility to set the tone because they set the tone for all of the other vendors. What the venue is doing and allowing or not allowing means the other vendors aren't put in a compromised position where they need to say, all right, I know your venue's letting you do this, but this is actually against the rules or this is not safe for us. So the venue is kind of that leader in that sense where they can say, hey, if you aren't doing these things, we're not going to host your event. And they're making sure people are abiding by that. And then third is the planner. If you have a planner, I think now is one of the very best times to have one, not to do some kind of shameless plug, but truly just the things I've been doing for couples, the things I've been able to achieve for them very quickly with a quick turnaround time um, that would not be possible without a planner are um, pretty priceless. So do consider getting a planner or increasing the level of your planner service if you have one. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, so back from that aside, As a planner, I think it's very important that I am the one who's also setting the tone and educating people. I am educating the client. I am communicating with the vendors. I am helping the client communicate with their guests. I am saying, hey, here are the guidelines that I am completely up to date on because this is literally what I'm just seeing every day for hours every day and having these conversations and I'm hearing the good stories and I'm hearing the horror stories and I Mm -hmm. understand how things need to be run. So it's my obligation to really make sure everyone else is kept safe and comfortable and informed. And my wedding this past weekend, we did that. I made sure I had signage. I made sure we communicated everything clearly. I made sure to set expectations for the client. Mm -hmm. We didn't have a venue either. It was a backyard wedding. So it becomes all the more important that the planner is really helping with this. Um, We got custom masks. So that was really fun. Yeah, we embroidered them with the couple's monogram. And we did all this fun stuff to make it more enjoyable and to just say, hey, you know, this is a really absurd time, but we're doing what we can and Mm -hmm. we're still going to let you celebrate and we just want to keep it safe for everybody. So we really, really distanced the tables and the seats at the tables and kept people within their pods. We didn't have any transportation with people who weren't already exposed to one another or in the same household. Mm -hmm. So it was not that difficult to do. It's definitely more work. It's a little more thought, but it's well worth it. And what you don't want is to come away from the event and then learn that somebody actually had COVID or somebody Mm -hmm. might've been exposed. And we were just too reckless with what we did. And now 
everyone needs to quarantine and everyone, you know, that's what you don't want. So first of all, you want to avoid the possibility that someone who has been exposed to COVID is going to attend Mm -hmm. and really say, hey, safety first. If you feel like you've been exposed, just don't come. We'll celebrate with you remotely, whatever it is. Um, But secondly, you want to make sure that, God forbid, someone did have this, the likelihood of transmission is far lower. So those are really the two things we want to think about. We want Mm -hmm. to think about your ethical obligation to your guests and to your vendors who don't have as much of a choice about being there. Yeah. Um, I think that's a good segue into um, kind of like the second half of like what we'll see in the future for weddings because of, you know, the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Um, There's probably going to be a ton of changes, some that we've talked about and probably some that we haven't even foreseen yet. But I think a big one will just be, you know, responsible vendors being a little bit more proactive in the future. Mm Um, because obviously we don't have pandemics and viruses very often, but I think because of just like the severity of the current pandemic that we're in and just how everything went down, I think a lot of vendors are going to be, you know, if they haven't already, um, adding, you know, additional verbiage to their contracts, um, as it relates specifically to, pandemic type situations. Um, There'll probably be more verbiage about postponement. Usually most vendors will have some sort of cancellation policy, but I think, you know, even now people will probably tighten up their cancellation policy a little bit and they'll also add additional verbiage for postponement um, just because I think there was a lot of confusion um, just with couples and vendors of what postponement is, what it means, what that looks like and how that's different from cancellation. So I think a lot of vendors will have that a little bit more fleshed out in their agreements. Um, And I think um, something that you mentioned yesterday that I thought was really good is some sort of like safety clause put in place. So it's like, you know, these are the conditions that, you know, the safe conditions that we need to work in. And for some reason, if the venue or the client is, is doing something that compromises the safety of their guests themselves and the vendors, then the vendors have the, the right based on the contract to remove themselves from that unsafe situation. Yes. So I think that that's something that we're going to see a lot too. And I'd just like to expand on everything you touched on because it's all really good. So let me just clarify with this caveat right up front. I am not a lawyer. You should mm-hmm. not expect me to be giving lawyerly advice. I am more of that person who will look at the contracts and say, hey, you know what? Here are some potential issues. Point them out to the client, see what they think, and go mm-hmm. back to the vendor and say, can we change these or can we modify in some way? Mm-hmm. So the first is that force majeure, which you were talking about. Force majeure really means that there is some extenuating factor outside um, anything on the part of the client or the venue or the vendors that interferes with the ability to host the event. And force majeure, force majeure can be defined a couple of different ways. So what we've been seeing with some of these postponements and downsizings and cancellations is all of the things relating to the pandemic aren't necessarily force majeure. And if that wasn't previously clarified in the contract, it can be kind of difficult to figure out. Yeah. So force majeure doesn't mean that you're not getting the exact type of wedding you wanted on your exact date necessarily. It means really you've lost the venue or there's a government order saying you can't host this event, whatever it is. It doesn't mean, <clears throat> pardon me, necessarily that you 
have a force majeure situation if you have the option to postpone mm-hmm. or if you can do your event but it has fewer people or if it just looks different. So do make sure you're checking those contracts and clarifying what is and is not a force majeure situation. Sometimes with force majeure, you are going to get a full refund. Sometimes you're going to get, um, you know, maybe you wouldn't owe the final balance, but you would still forfeit your deposit slash retainer. Yeah. So you want to look into that. You also want to consider what the other options are and what is considered postponement versus cancellation. So Mm -hmm. just because you aren't having your wedding the exact way you envisioned, it doesn't necessarily mean that the vendors are on the hook for that if you choose to discontinue all services or one service. Because if you now have the option to postpone or the option to downsize or certain things like that, that could be already covered in the contract. And Mm -hmm. if you decide that you still want to terminate those services because they're not exactly what you had envisioned and the vendor is able and willing to follow through in providing those services, um, that is still very likely considered a cancellation by you. Mm -hmm. So you'll want to consider, do you still owe the full balance? Do you get part of your money back? Do you not get your retainer back at all? So just take a look at those contracts. And of course, when you're looking at contracts for anything, know that you can go back to the vendor and ask clarifying questions. We love Mm -hmm. questions. It's great. But what you don't want is to sign a contract and hope down the line that the vendor is going to be more flexible with their terms. Those contracts, I think I said this last time, those are there so that everyone knows exactly what to expect when things get a little weird, when things go sideways. So just be comfortable with the terms you're signing for and know that if a vendor decides that they're going to be a little flexible on the terms, great, but they are in no way obligated to. That's what their contract is there for. So if you maybe postpone and nine out of your 10 vendors can take your new date and you decide, you know what, I really want this date, I love this date, but this one vendor, maybe your DJ, can't make it work, that is still more than likely you canceling the DJ because the DJ could make other dates work, is able and willing to follow through with your event. And you're saying, you know what, I just had to make this difficult choice Mm -hmm. and we're going to let the DJ go. So you might not get your deposit back or you might owe the full amount depending on what the contract says. I also think the safety clauses are really good to talk about. Like you Mm -hmm. said, Allison, uh, safety clauses are there just to give vendors a little bit of a safety net and a little bit of leverage. What we don't want and what nobody is trying to do with a safety clause is to say, all right, we are just going to look for this first weird, potentially dangerous situation and say, hey, I get all of your money and I'm not going to perform. Peace out. That is so not what any vendor is doing. Uh, I've seen really the opposite where vendors, no matter what, they, they feel an obligation, a very, very strong obligation to perform, even if conditions are unsafe and even if they have a safety clause. So really, this just gives a little leverage so that the vendors can pull rank a little bit and say, you know what, if guests aren't wearing masks, if we're having a full dance floor, if we're doing X, Y, Z, I can't perform. So you can have those conversations in advance. You can set Mm -hmm. expectations and you can advocate for yourself just a little bit. So really, please, aside from what the contract says, just honor um, the, the basic kindness and the basic terms of entering any contract with any human being, which is you shouldn't be putting yourself at risk. You shouldn't be on board to potentially hurt yourself or to hurt someone you love by catching a disease and bringing it home to them. So be very respectful, please, of your vendors, regardless if if they have a safety clause and really just honor that and pay attention to that. Uh, I think too, you know, 
again, it's, it's fine to ask questions. It's fine to negotiate. And as long as you're doing so in good faith, as long as you're not looking for weird little loopholes or you're not being aggressive with your vendors, uh, you're going to catch more flies with honey than with vinegar. The vendors will be more willing to work with you if they know that whatever they're doing and saying and putting in a contract won't come back to bite them later. So be kind, be understanding, work it through and make sure that at the end of the day, your vendors still want to work with you once you're done negotiating. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, Another thing that I think we'll definitely see a lot more of is virtual events. Um, That's something that I've seen couples doing as kind of, you know, a way to adjust their wedding plans, whether that's doing, you know, a virtual ceremony and having it just be the couple and the officiant and having, you know, people tune into like a Zoom or like, you know, a, some other like virtual platform. Um, And I think even just, in the industry, I've seen a lot of companies that are either event companies or production companies or DJ entertainment companies. A lot of these um, vendors are incorporating some sort of virtual event aspect into their service to kind of accommodate this shift that's happening right now. Um, Allison, would you say yes. they're pivoting? Oh, God. <laughs> that's why I said adjust. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's definitely a pivot where, you know, they're kind of seeing this space in the market now for, you know, people kind of gearing more towards these virtual gatherings as opposed to gathering in person. Um, so I definitely see that happening a lot more. It's not for everyone. It doesn't have to necessarily be for you. Like if you feel like that's just not really, you know, what you want to do, like that's totally fine. Um, but a lot of couples are taking, you know, the virtual route in some way, shape or form. Um, so that's definitely something that we're seeing a lot more of. So that'll be interesting to see how, how that develops. Definitely. And what I think too is people might just want to book that as a safety net. So mm-hmm. if something changes very quickly close to the date, they've already got that infrastructure in place. So the only thing to consider there is do you want more of a non-interactive live stream or do you want something that has an interface so you can connect and communicate with your guests and see what they're doing and saying rather than just having them watch you. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, I think Zoom in general, live stream weddings are totally going to become more of a thing just like corporate is switching to that as well. And I think weddings are going to, just now that we're into our predictions and what the future looks like, I think weddings are going to, in the more short term, you know, maybe this next year or so, really going to have kind of a different tone and a couple of things done differently. So, of course, the Zoom, but also, I hope for the love of God, people aren't doing big dance floors. I know Mm -hmm. they still are. I know some DJs have had their services canceled because they said, hey, I'm not doing this or I'm not going to Indiana or Wisconsin where they're going to do this. Uh, So I think hopefully we'll see a little less dancing, a little more focus on the quality of the meal and the quality of the seated portion of the event. Mm -hmm. We're going to see masks totally fine. The masks are great. Do something fun with it. Get get a little quirky with it. Do, you know, those customized masks. Just Mm -hmm. roll with it. Lean in. Uh, We're going to see a lot more signage about safety, sanitization stations. We're going to see vendors have a lot of backups so that if something changes quickly and they believe they may have been exposed and they can't get results in time or they do Mm -hmm. get sick, they're going to have someone else to send, which is fine. You know, just roll with it. Uh, We're going to see more spaced out events. So, you know, there might be several different aisles now for the ceremony or it'll look like that because the chairs are so spaced out. We're going to have uh, no communal food, hopefully. So, more individually served meals or individually wrapped types of things, which is still Mm -hmm. super, super fun. And it just keeps everyone safe. And 
the temperature check thing is something we've been talking about a little bit. So mm-hmm. where do you stand on if this is a good idea? Um, I don't necessarily think it's a bad idea. It's just more about like whose responsibility is it going to be to do that with every single person that's, you know, walking into your wedding Um, and also kind of figuring out, okay, worst case scenario, if someone does have a higher temperature, how are we going to deal with that situation? Who's going to be responsible for telling that person, hey, your temperature is irregular, like, you can't enter or whatever. So it's a good idea, but you just have to make sure that you're kind of planning for those worst case scenario situations and making sure that, you know, you partner with the venue and your vendors and have a conversation amongst yourselves as the couple to really kind of map out like, okay, who's going to be responsible for what if this situation occurs? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So I think that's a really good point that you don't really want to put this in the hands of catering staff to enforce because if Mm -hmm. it's a dad, you know, just for example, if a dad walks in and this is his kid's wedding, are you really going to trust some poor 25 year old server to have to tell him you can't come in? That is Mm -hmm. a security risk. So if you really, really want to enforce this, you should probably hire a security company to do it. Also keep in mind, taking temperatures isn't foolproof, so Mm -hmm. don't be lulled into a false sense of security just because everyone comes in and their temp is under 100. Still, make sure you're keeping other safety protocols in place. And one of the things I would encourage is take your temperature in advance. Encourage guests to take their temperature before they get to the wedding so there are no surprises. And also um, just make sure that you're really encouraging people to put safety first and really, again, just setting that tone because- yeah people are going to feel incentivized. And I hope this doesn't happen, but people are going to feel incentivized to, to, even if they're feeling sick, even if they may have been exposed, whatever it is, to show up. If they travel to get to your wedding, if they are a very close family member, if it's the couple, there is an incentive to just go through with this, even if they think it might not be safe. So Mm -hmm. really, really emphasize that no matter what, if you are maybe sick, if you may have been exposed, whatever it is, you shouldn't come. And that goes for the vendors too. You know, the vendors are, you know, a photographer, for example, maybe this is their only wedding this month and they're feeling a little sick and they just can't afford to not come if they won't make rent. So just have those conversations in advance about Mm -hmm. what can we do to absolutely ensure that you aren't being encouraged to show up if something doesn't feel right, even if it's a really hard decision to make. I hope people will be honest, but it's good to encourage that responsible behavior. Yeah, for sure. Um, It makes me think about that wedding. I don't know if you heard about this, but there was a wedding that happened, I want to say it was either this month or last month in Maine. And I think it was like a crazy number of people ended up getting Mm -hmm. uh, the virus as a result of being at this wedding. And it just made me think, I didn't look too, too much into it, but you know, it just made me think of those safety measures that we talked about. Like, you know, for that many people to get sick, like, you know, clearly social distancing wasn't happening, happening. Clearly people weren't wearing masks and, you know, washing their hands and doing all those things that, you know, the CDC tells you that you're supposed to do. Um, So we don't want to freak you out and scare you, but it's like, these are things to think about because you don't want your wedding to be on the news because, you you know, 30 people or 50 people got the coronavirus while they're at your wedding. And also you don't want, regardless of the news, you just don't want any of your loved ones to get sick. Again, mm-hmm. people shouldn't be putting themselves in 
an unnecessarily risky position to attend your wedding. That's not what it's about. So make sure that you're being careful. And honestly, once the alcohol gets flowing, people are not going to be as careful about distancing, even at the most responsible event. So mm-hmm. it's really important to, again, just set those expectations well before the drinking gets underway with how the staff should behave and what is expected of them, mm-hmm. how when people need to put their masks back on, all of this stuff. Because again, even the most responsible people, they're going to get real chummy and real close mm-hmm. if you haven't already set up the example that there should be another way of doing things. Yeah. And whatever safety measures you put in place for your wedding, like feel free to communicate that up front on your wedding website, or if you want to print that on your invitations or what have you, like communicate that information up front. If you're going to have a security guard doing temperature checks, put that and let the guests know that that's going to be happening. And, you know, tell the guests, if you feel sick, don't come. It's okay. Like have, like make sure you put all the information up front. So that way it's like you're setting the tone for your guests even before they even get to your actual wedding. Yeah, and I think it sounds really intense. It sounds really distracting and doom and gloom, but it's not. It's going to make a lot of people feel better. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just not what anyone should be walking into. You don't want to be that couple that says, oh, coronavirus won't exist on my wedding day. No, that's bullshit. It exists and it you is. need to be responsible. Mm-hmm. You do. So, yeah. yeah. So, Anyway, just moving on with some of our other predictions, I do think that you, when you're signing your paperwork, you're going to see more of these pandemic pledges. So saying, hey, we're, we're going to limit our exposure. We're not going to travel to hotspots. We're going to encourage our guests to do the same. We're going to do X, Y, and Z. Um, that's great. If you're seeing those in a vendor's contract, that means they're taking it seriously. That's probably a very good vendor to be mm-hmm. working with. And I do think that we're going to see a lot more of those weddings on different days of the week. I think Mm -hmm. that's going to continue for a while. That's probably going to happen until well into next year, probably. (laughs) I think, yeah, I think it's even going to be a 2022 thing. Yeah. And just, it might become a little bit of, oh, here's another one. We didn't, we didn't say the new normal. Oh God. (laughs) (laughs) I, I love it. I love it. I'm only going to talk in these phrases from now on, but I think destination weddings too are going to be, a lot less popular for a while until mm-hmm. people feel confident that everyone will be able to travel the way they used to. Yeah. And also the fact that like a lot of, if you're coming from the U S like a lot of countries are not allowing people from the U S to enter their country because of the pandemic. So something else to consider. Um, I, I just feel like, see, yeah. I feel like we're the, you know, the Captain Phillips meme online, just the look at me, I'm the captain now. <laughs> I feel very much like, look at me, I'm the shithole country now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's terrible. We literally can't go anywhere, but it's fine. We're, we're going to make it work. Um, and kind of piggybacking off of the destination weddings, um, something that we mentioned yesterday too, was maybe having multiple weddings um, where, you know, a couple might have a huge ton of family in a different state or a huge ton of family in a different country. Um, So instead of, you know, having your guests travel to that particular place, just you and your partner are traveling to that other state or that other country and having a wedding with just those family and then having a second local celebration just to minimize, you know, a ton of people having to travel back and forth and possibly exposing themselves. So um, that could definitely be something that, we'll probably see more often. Um, 
a teeny tiny baby wedding, an I episodic, an episodic wedding. I feel like yeah. that'll catch on. We'll talk about episodic weddings where they happen in stages. Yeah. And that's, it's just about being flexible. And honestly, the upside to the situation is that, you know, the wedding industry is very flexible and is always pretty resilient when it comes to, you know, keeping up with kind of like the ebbs and flows of just kind of what's going on in the world. Um, so I'm actually kind of excited to see like how some of these vendors get creative with, you know, pulling off these weddings, whether it's, you know, micro weddings or whether they do something virtual or, you know, however ways they can be creative to still have a really fun celebration. Um, but, you know, keeping everybody safe. Mm-hmm. I agree. And I think uh, one thing that I'm totally loving is like you said, the micro weddings. And Mm -hmm. then my couple decided the ones who just got married this past weekend, they're having a larger wedding later next year. Mm -hmm. Uh, They decided to call this the mini-money and next year it's the maximony. I love that. It's so cute. That was such a cute wedding too. I was like dying over all the, like the decor. They did such an amazing job. And I was like, gagging and showing pictures to my boyfriend like oh gagging yeah. that sounds yeah that sounds beautiful and definitely and, uh, not like it made you barf that's like <laughs> gagging in a good way like I was just like so floored by how beautiful everything was because it really was and this is a thing too there's a common misconception that just because you're having you know a smaller wedding of 20 30 people that you still can't go all out with the decor like hell yeah you can you can have you know mm-hmm the beautiful canopy or tent and you can have, you know, the gorgeous floral arrangements and these installations, like you can still do all of those awesome things on a smaller scale. And you'll also have a little bit more wiggle room in your budget to be able to make things, you know, a lot more personable Mm -hmm. um, and more personalized than you can when you're trying to do that for, you know, your standard 175 people. Yeah. And I think too, it's nice because there are these little extra perks. So Mm -hmm. I was just talking with an editor at the Chicago Tribune about this for an article, I think actually two different articles, and there's some real little upsides. You know, you do get to focus on the details. You get Mm -hmm. to, if it's a wedding at home, do some cool landscaping ideas. And just Mm -hmm. if you've been gardening all year, like everyone has, I think uh, garden sales are up about 400%, according to the garden store I went to anyway. So obviously Mm -hmm. a very, very widespread statistic. you've been doing a lot of gardening. You've been making your yard better. Maybe if it's hosted at the family's house, they've been doing that too. So why not showcase it? You know, put a cool arbor on your property, get cool property lighting, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Um, Lots of little fun perks. And I think too, one of the things we're going to see with wedding trends is like you said, those more intimate weddings. I'm not sure that it'll be a thing years down the line because I think ultimately a big wedding is not necessarily always the couple's choice. It's more about what their families want and Mm -hmm. what the cultural norms are. But I do think intimate weddings are going to get a foothold for a while. And I think they'll seem like more of a viable option. Mm -hmm. So that's, in my opinion, a perk. I know uh, caterers might not like it, for example, for Mm -hmm. us, because if you're doing a smaller event, that's less revenue. But I think that it is going to be a thing for at least the next year. Yeah, definitely. Sure. <laughs> Just smaller downsized events. Yeah. And a lot more people outside too. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like that's kind of a good, I don't want to say workaround because then it sounds like people aren't following the rules, but that's kind of like a good option 
um, for people that want to have like still downsized, but still more than 20 people um, hosting something outside where you can really space people out um, and not have to worry as much about, you know, people being confined indoors. I think we're going to see that a lot more, even probably well into the fall, mm-hmm. um, which is usually uncommon for Chicago. But I think I could see couples, you know, making it work and trying to have things outside um, just to kind of mitigate that risk a little bit more. Yeah, get that sweet, sweet airflow. It's what it's all about. I love a good tent. You know how I feel about tents. (laughs) Definitely. And what I also think we're going to see is some changes in the industry. So as some businesses are going under, you know, of course it's going to happen. It actually in the wedding industry hasn't happened as much as I thought it would. Uh, which is good. I think we'll see more go under over the winter because that's typically more of a slow season, except yeah. for those of us who do holiday events. Yeah. So winter sucks for everyone for the most part. Yes. <laughs> yes. So I'm interested to see what's going to happen between especially like January through March or so. Mm-hmm. And I, I really hope everything is more or less level and people are in an okay position to continue on. But yeah. I do think we'll see some more vendors emerging to fill the need of yeah just there are going to be so many more weddings taking place in this little condensed period of 2021. And a lot of people will be booked up or they might've had to shift gears because a vendor went out of business. Mm -hmm. And what I hope, what I sincerely hope is that these are people who are already in the industry, who already know what they're doing and they're just really filling that niche. Um, I do think we'll see some who are not necessarily that experienced and they're just going to get in there and hopefully not ruin things a little Mm -hmm. bit when it comes to the event date. But some people are, you know, especially in these larger companies like hotels and catering companies, they've been laid off en masse. And we could see them really doing something beautiful and something new. You know, maybe they'll get into their own business or they'll they'll start a new little business together. So I'm interested to see how the industry kind of, it's like after a wildfire, you know, things mm-hmm. do regrow. It's just different. And I'm interested to see what sprouts from the proverbial ground. Yeah, that's a good uh, good point. Um, and then one thing that popped up while you were speaking, like, honestly, like normally, like, uh, Q1 is usually terrible for everyone. And if you're not in business of any kind, then Q1 means the first three months of the year. I wouldn't be surprised if we see more weddings during that time, just because, you know, of the postponement. So I could see a lot of couples, you know, opting for January, February, March, because they weren't able to have, they might've had to cancel or push back their wedding into, you know, that time frame. So I wouldn't be surprised hmm. if we saw some. Um, winter weddings are not, they're not bad. And sometimes they can be really pretty. So yeah. if I you don't one. mind doing a winter wedding, do it. You can throw on a fabulous fur, which I love to see brides do or couples do. And, you know, there's ways that you can get around the cold and, you know, kind of compromise with the weather a little bit, but winter weddings can really be beautiful. So um, if that's something that I would say be open to it because you never know, you might get a sweet deal on a venue or on catering for doing it at that time of the year. So, mm-hmm. you know, as long and then, as you're, yeah. And then you yes. bypass all the holidays that we talked about too. True. As long as you're comfortable with that uncertainty. Mm-hmm. So I am not seeing a lot of Q1 weddings. I'm seeing mm-hmm. very few. I think people are just too concerned about what the landscape is going to look like at the beginning mm-hmm. of next year. But if it's a very small thing, go for it. Have fun with it. Why not? As yeah. long as you're comfortable with that uncertainty. I think that's great. Um, I think too, one of the things, well, actually we've really talked about this quite a bit and I don't want to get into what if this happens again, because I think honestly, everyone who 
sees the storm through is going to be in a really good position for if this happens again, because mm-hmm. our contracts are stronger, our payment terms are stronger, and the timelines for that. I think people will be okay. I think yeah, we just need to keep our confidence up. We need to stay positive. We need to look at the silver linings through all of this. And there are tons. There are lots of really great takeaways from this situation. There are. They're not hard to find when you're in the wedding industry. So many fun things to look at. Um, Like Haley Page shooting for her spring 2021 collection, which I am like holding my breath for because I saw some pictures and I was like dying. But anyway. You live. You live for Haley Page gowns. I do. I really do. (laughs) She's so awesome. I feel like you just wake up in the morning and you're just like, oh, yes, more Haley Page Instagram. I really do. Like, she does such (laughs) amazing work. So that's one of the things that just kind of, like, gets me through. Like, let me see what, like, Haley's up to today Mm -hmm. with her really cute dog, Winnie. Oh, oh my God. You are. You're just completely obsessed. I am obsessed. I do like following... Yeah. I like following celebrity dog accounts. Mm. Uh, Philippa Sue from Hamilton just adopted a dog, and I'm really Aww. into that dog because the Instagram is super cute. And I don't care about following celebrity accounts, but damn if I don't follow their dogs. Yeah, I don't really follow celebrity accounts unless it's wedding-related, and that's not really a lot of people. So, But yeah, so just like little things like that. Um, a, lot of, a lot of vendors that are kind of more in the creative space, like that's always fun for me to look at. So I love following like florist accounts and, you know, seeing the kind of work that they're doing, anything dress-related, you know, I'm obsessed with. Um, and just seeing, you know, some of these really cute Uh, results of how couples are, you know, adjusting during this time and still having these awesome weddings. It's just, it's nice to see love, you know, during this Mm -hmm. time. And always, love will always be there. We just have Mm -hmm. to look for it and look for the positive elements of this. And really, we're very resilient. Like you said, we'll be here. We're ready to party with you when you're ready to party again, which is hopefully soon. You're probably just dying for a party. So as soon as we can do it. Yes. All the cake. (laughs) So I think, yeah, I mean, that's, that's great. That's kind of a wrap, but we, we do, we just have so many positive things happening and why don't we each just say like, let's not be doom and gloom. Let's go yeah. out on a high note. What is one super positive thing going on with you? Uh, ooh, I started doing yoga outside. Ooh, fancy. Yeah, that's fancy, something that fancy. I've always wanted to do. You know, I'm obsessed with um, this one particular yoga person. Um, her name is Adrienne. She's amazing. If you know yoga by Adrienne or yoga with Adrienne, she's fabulous. And I just love how she teaches. And I just kind of love like how she approaches the practice of, you know, not just going through the yoga movements, but, you know, meditating and, you know, getting your mind right and your spirit right. And I've seen some videos where she has done some stuff outside and I was like, I should probably do this. So I found kind of a little spot right off of the lake path by my apartment. Um, It's completely secluded. It's kind of like on kind of like the rocky shore of the lake. And I found like this way too perfect, like flat rock that was big enough to like roll out, roll out a yoga mat and, you know, actually do yoga. Not fall into the lake. I know. Right. (laughs) Your Um, positive is that you didn't fall into the lake. (laughs) I did not fall into the lake. It's not right on the edge of the water, but it's just like a really relaxing spot. And and so it's like, you get the breeze and the sun and like you hear the water kind of flowing. It's really peaceful. So I've really been enjoying that except for the day before yesterday where there was like some geese swam up. 
And I'm not really a big fan of geese because they're just big and they're not very nice. Um, And there was four of them. And I was like, please don't come over here. I'm just trying to finish my yoga in peace. So can I, okay, I just want to piggyback. I had a different positive thing, but I want to just pile on with what you were saying. Mm -hmm. So I used to be in wildlife medicine. I was going to be a veterinarian. And then I Mm -hmm. just decided to roll with this company because I loved it so much. Uh, I was mostly focusing on wildlife and I interned in a wildlife clinic for two summers and it was wonderful but uh people are afraid of geese that's a common thing they're people say oh they're, they're awful scary you know what they're not gonna <laughs> hurt you you can get bitten by a geese and uh, by a goose and it doesn't hurt that much but also two things I know I know a lot of weird bird facts in general and a lot of bird law like mm-hmm. Charlie from it's always sunny I actually do know a lot of bird law but uh, geese if you want to calm them down if you have to just chill them out they have the weirdest thing they do where, you know, you, you put their wings against their body mm-hmm. and then you grab their head and you, you grab it kind of like, I can't describe it, but you can see what I'm doing with my hand. Yeah. And you, you grab their head like that kind of from the behind and you just cushion their head and their neck and you take their head and you re- put it under a wing and mm-hmm. you just hold their wings down a little bit, you know, not too hard. And if you do that for about five seconds, the goose will just stay like that. And you just have like this little goose loaf and it's just totally chilled out. I could probably handle one goose, but like four, that's, that's a lot. And I was just like, I will just let them be and hopefully they leave me alone. And it was fine. We didn't have a a goose situation, but but yeah, (laughs) but it's, it's fun. It's a fun time. What about you? What do you have? going on or did that kind just of positive thing <laughs> I don't know I just love talking about weird wildlife stuff like yeah. I love possums so much Ooh, they're the only native oh, they're the only native North American marsupial they do not carry rabies they get rid of a lot of weird pesky things yeah they're, they just look like giant rats and that oh, scares me a little. I love them I love possums I mean they will definitely mess up your hand like you have to wear a Kevlar glove because mm-hmm if they bite you, it just, their jaws are really strong, Mm -hmm. but they're actually pretty docile and just kind of sweet bumbling dummies. I love it. (laughs) And I really like possums. I, and also when I was in the wildlife clinic, I would always see that poor possums were just getting so many issues from car hits, but also from people being kind of cruel to them. Yeah. And stop it. Stop it. Possums are great. I'm a very live and let live type of person. It's like if I see something, like I'm just going to like leave it alone and let it go about its business as long as it doesn't bother me, I'm fine. Totally. Um, but I don't know if you read this, but a lot of kind of like more natural areas in the city are attracting more wildlife because mm-hmm. there's not as many people around. Um, so I think that that's pretty cool, except for when I see scary birds. I have a thing about birds. I don't know where I got this from, but I have a thing about birds. But on another run that I went on, I saw I was like kind of going not through a beach, but I was kind of like passing like one of the beaches. And I saw this bird that I'd never seen before. Um, and I was like, what in the hell is this Jurassic Park? looking ass bird that's okay, stay away that's are you is that could be a heron and do stay away you know from what those. you might be right because yeah, i know so what a heron is herons will actually fuck you up and birds like them because mm-hmm. they are living dinosaurs and their instinct even as babies is to go straight for your eye don't nope. get close stay away i was like and i was walking like you know on like you know how like some areas of the lake they have kind of like those elevated kind of like steps that you can kind of walk on so i was elevated and i saw one and then i looked further down the beach and there was like five and i was like Mm -hmm. yeah i'm a a go i'm a go home (laughs) i mean in the lake though that's weird i usually see them in ponds maybe they were Mm -hmm. cormorants i don't know 
but they were in that ballpark of just like dinosaur ass birds and i'm just like i'm just gonna start heading home now yeah if they were cormorants you're fine but if they were those long pokey spindly leg birds don't get close (laughs) but i like like the tiny little birds i don't know what they're called they're like some sort of like water not a sparrow but like kind of like those tiny warbler like a warbler. So yes, cute. The yellow ones. I saw a warbler yesterday. I was at Big Delicious Planet, that caterer in Yum. West Town. Mm-hmm. I was at their outside garden. Shout out to Heidi for hosting a little tiny distanced outside happy hour. Mm. And um, I saw a warbler in their little urban farm that they have. And I was oh. so, so thrilled to see it. Little um, birds yeah. I can do. The giant ones that could probably eat me, not so much. <laughs> so I guess our, our positive then is bird watching. We're yeah. liking bird watching these days. And nature uh, also, and outside. Yes. What I'm really liking is that people seem to be digging the podcast. We got a lot of positive responses last week. We have. We had a lot of people listening. We are tracking those analytics like a hawk. To go I love analytics. Like that's mm. like my shit. Seriously. So please just listen to us, subscribe, follow, rate us five stars. A couple of people did that. Yes. Thank you. We, we don't see you because we don't know who you are, but we, we see you in a we general sense. We feel your presence. <laughs> We appreciate you. And, and we got our Instagram off the ground like we, we promised. Did. We did it. We did it. We're big girls now. IBWC yeah. uh, underscore, underscore mm-hmm. podcast. Yep, we did it. That's where we're at. So follow that. Tons of nudes. That's all we're posting. Just yep. boobs on boobs. And we also, of course, want you to write to us on email. I forgot what email was. <laughs> Itty bitty wedding committee at gmail.com. So send yep. us everything you've got. Do not send us nudes. We don't, don't want those. I'll be really no. upset. No. Just send us words, please. Yeah. Uh, or a selfie of you listening to the podcast. Yep. With Questions, on. comments, topic, subscriptions. I posted, I think it was like the first week that I that we did. No, not even because I don't think our Instagram even existed at that point. Um, but I did post on my personal Instagram, you know, people asking people like what they want us to talk about. And a couple people were cool enough to respond and submit uh, some topic ideas. So we will get to those at some point. Um, but we're super excited. And next week, we're going to be doing choosing planner wedding planner episode, which I'm super excited about. It was super fun to record. And it was probably one of our longer episodes. So if you're fascinated about wedding planning or if you need a planner and what that process looks like, we will be talking about that next week. Um, So don't miss that. Um, We are on all of the, most of the streaming platforms. Um, We're on Apple, we're on Google, we're on Spotify, we're on Spotify, we're on Anchor, we're on Radiocast. I'm pretty sure something else. Oh, we are on Stitcher. I think we might be on a couple of others, but it's really, truly easy to get on a platform. Mm -hmm. So if you have a platform you like that we're not on, let us know. We'll do it for you unless it's really difficult, which it probably won't be. Yeah. So yeah, listen to us, subscribe. Don't Don't miss an episode. And I think that's it. Thank you. Talk to you next week. Bye, guys. Bye-bye.